You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Interstate Batteries. Whether you need a battery for your truck or batteries for your trail cameras, Interstate Batteries has the batteries for your everyday life. Stop into a local retail location. They have thousands upon thousands of them all over the United States. Or go and visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Hey guys, last year was a wild year for censorship for hunters and anglers. We partnered with the social media platform Go Wild to combat mainstream social media censorship. Go Wild was built by outdoorsmen and women and by hunters and anglers just like you. Go Wild is a free social community. Not only are your photos not censored, they're encouraged on Go Wild. Go Wild gives you points for things like sharing your trophies, gear reviews, and inviting friends. And as you earn points, you start to unlock awesome rewards too such as gift cards, free stuff, knives, huge discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex, and so much more. Oh, and if you create a free account, you can unlock $10 just for trying it out. Visit DownloadGoWild.com to get started. The Southern Ground Hunting Podcast is brought to you by Spartan Forge. It's forged in combat and tailored for hunters. Spartan Forge stands at the nexus of machine learning and whitetail deer hunting to deliver truly intuitive and science-based products that save the hunter time spent scouting, planning, and executing their hunts. You can start your free 14-day trial today by visiting SpartanForge.ai and you can use the code SOUTHERNGROUND, that's all lowercase, all one word, SOUTHERNGROUND at checkout, and that'll get you 25% off of your purchase. You wanting to know more about saddle hunting? Well, check out tetherednation.com for all your saddle hunting needs. Tethered is for saddle hunters by saddle hunters, and they're redefining ultralight hunting. If you'd like to support the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast, you can visit patreon.com forward slash southern ground hunting, or you can click on the link in the show notes of this podcast episode. We offer two different tiers for our patrons that offer a solid list of benefits. We'd love for you to join the Southern Ground Hunting community today. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash Southern Ground Hunting. And now, let's get to the show. All right, boys. We are recording. And uh, and we're going to call this the Fireside Chat. What y'all think about that? I really thought you were going to go like three, two, one. <laughs> like, and so I'm like, Start. Is he, is is he, he starting? Is, or is this go- is, are we live? I mean, I can always edit it. It's like, like it's not like anybody's actually listening <laughs> to it yet. Um, did y'all see? Did y'all see on the video? Um, which, by the way, we've got Drew here for the first time in twelve years. Drew Robbins is gonna is I'm gonna back. make a special appearance on the show. Back. Um, yeah. And Adam Cruz again. 
Um, back to back appearances. Yep. Yep. Back to back. Look at that. Back to back. But uh, anyways, I did a video um, this this fall. Uh, it was when I was doing rutcation with my dad and meat eater guys, and uh, I turned the camera on on my dad, and I was talking to the camera, and dad goes, "Who's that?" And I was like, "It's just a camera." <laughs> nobody, just nobody actually there, not yet. They're not watching <laughs> oh, yeah. yet. <laughs> uh, man, so fireside chat. We ain't got a, we ain't got a plan necessarily. Um, I, the only plan, the only plan that I do have is, uh, as far as everybody who listens to this to this knows, Drew, you hadn't killed a deer all year, which that could yeah. be further from the truth. So that's the only agenda i have for today is to uh talk through some of your deer but um yeah it's gonna be deer season's winding down and you know maybe we could talk about mm-hmm. something like you know biggest mistakes of of this season or greatest things that we learn the biggest wins the biggest victories of the season um you, you guys both have uh, similar stories, you, uh, Adam and Drew, to uh, to Did some. You only of your go deer. three times, Drew. <laughs> <laughs> it was close, man. That, that's yeah, that, rough season too. That, that's the kind of part of it, you know. Uh, here, here's my piece of advice, fellas. Like the one big thing taken away, like if you want to go hunting more, like don't have a kid, you know, <laughs> like right before, you know, like and so, um, uh, but no, no, and. In all seriousness, I knew last year I was coming off my best year last year because the world just shut down basically, you know. And so I was able to go hunting a whole lot more. And I knew this coming up year wouldn't have as much time off. And we had a um, uh, she's almost a year old now, and in fact she'll be a year old tomorrow. And so I knew I wouldn't I wouldn't have nearly as much time there in the tree. But killed ended up killing uh, two bucks and and a doe. And what's crazy is I'm actually more proud of my doe than I am of my two bucks. And why so, would that? And why would that be, Drew? Because I freaking stuck her with a traditional bow, like Fred Bear told me to. <laughs> That's wow. what happened. That's so yeah, funny. dude. My first time I actually told Parker over the summer, I'm like, man, I'm, I'm just gonna pick up trad bow. I mean, just and I got into it, and man, it, it was fun. I was shooting so. Um, <laughs> so I'm like, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go after it. So I'm sitting there and um, opening the morning. Um, let me rephrase it. Opening the morning, I actually missed, um, I missed a doe on public land, which I texted Parker that morning because uh, Parker ended up seeing some opening the morning, and then I hit hit a limb and um, all that junk. So a couple weeks later, I, I was like, I'm, I'm gonna try to stick one with this trad bow, and uh, sure enough, three of them came in and. Uh, I, uh, I picked the biggest one, turned it loose and, um, it was weird. Like it was the, it was the oddest thing is like, I've, I've never shot at an animal with, with a Chad bow, you know? And so, uh, m- my wife texted me, she's like, Hey, so just wondering when, when you're going to be home kind of doing the whole dinner thing. And I'm like, well, I just, I just missed the dough. So I'm going to go get my arrow and I'll be home 25 minutes. And so I get down to where they the, those were at there was no arrow and i'm like crap i lost that i lost that arrow and that and for those who don't know i i shoot a big broadhead i shoot like a 315 this was actually a 315 ground 315 grain tough head 
on um, the old school aluminum arrows. Remember, remember those double X 75s? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, um, I fleshed them there, there in my garage with some wild feathers. I brought, bought offline. I did. I'm like, I was like, this is the American dream right now. Like, this is what it is. And so I was sitting about 780 grains somewhere right around in there. And I'm like, crap, I just lost a really expensive arrow. That was my thought. I was like, dang it. And, um, but then I, then I, I walked a couple, um, uh, rows of pines in and then I started finding blood. I'm like, Oh my God, I hit that deer. And so I ended up finding her. She piled up 40 yards, uh, went through both shoulders, man. And I'm at that. I'm, I'm I was pulling probably 43 pounds at, at, at a 29 inch draw. So, I mean, it wasn't, wasn't a whole lot and it went through both, both shoulders and she didn't hardly go nowhere. And, um, I actually, uh, texted parker and i'm like i just killed one and he's like awesome you know and he's like you taking the pictures and i'm like no i'm (laughs) I'm in i'm in shock i don't know what to do like i didn't i'm like i and then i i I got home and my wife was like so did you get one i go yeah and she goes you don't seem excited i go i'm in shock sweetheart that's why i'm in shock (laughs) and uh because i honestly goodness thought i just missed it i'm like oh well and this is my first thought after i turned it loose i'm like everybody misses the first one out of the trad bow anyway, you know, and, and I ended up killing it. And so, uh, it, it was awesome. Uh, 885 grain arrow went through a doe, both shoulders of a doe probably going like 20 feet per second. Oh yeah. It's it, like, I can almost outrun it. Like I can almost outrun it. And, and so, um, and you know, and I, I know we've, we've already done the whole arrow thing and all that. So, you know, we're not, um, and, uh, did y'all see where ranch fair though was at ATA doing some stuff up there? I missed that. I, I saw, yeah. I saw somebody did a, they did a podcast. Somebody did a, a live podcast with, it. I can't remember who it was that I saw, but, um, yeah, I, I did see where, where he was there. Um, that, that guy is, uh. Man, just to, it kind of, I know it's not necessarily his own research, but he's found this way to make it, yeah. to, to popularize, you know, yeah. a, 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 a method of, and that's what it is. It's a method. And to some people, it's the most effective method, but there's other effective methods out there. I know, Adam, yeah. you're, not, you're not shooting like a super heavy setup. I um, know you've thought about it. No, I did change this year. I went <laughs> to... Completely? Uh, it's not super heavy. I want to say it's like 550 ish grains. I'm not a nerd on all this stuff, but best I can remember, that's about what it comes in at. Okay. Uh, Drew's yeah. the one who got me, who got me first started in it because, because I just, you know, uh, once I find a system that I feel like works, um, I have a hard time changing over and, yeah. and definitely it, it wasn't working a hundred percent of the time. Right. Like I, I had, I had issues. I knew I, I knew I needed to switch to a, a fixed blade broadhead, and I did that. Killed one of my biggest bucks with that year when I did that, but I also missed more deer that season than ever because I wasn't, you know, I didn't have the the perfect flight. You know what I mean? I, I wasn't mm-hmm. tuning it perfect with the arrow and the head and everything. Just I didn't know anything about FOC, so um, figuring that all out was a, a big commitment, and it's a pricey commitment to make too. Because gotcha. um, I mean, yeah. Drew, yeah. I don't know. That's why I, I you must be making bank that. at the church. I know the church is, churches pay pretty good these days. 
<laughs> well, I would I wouldn't say that that rapport, but I mean also um, I got a budget for stuff, and so I I, I found a buddy on Facebook Marketplace who sold me some tough heads used um, for cheap, and uh, that's and 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 I wanted to try the single bevel. That's my first time ever shooting a, a single bevel, and and I wanted to try it, and um, so. I, I think I'm going to switch away from single bevel this year. I think I'm going to go back to double. Yeah. Yeah. I, I actually have both there. They're in my quiver right now. I, I have single and double bevels. Um, and, um, but everybody was saying, you know, about, the, about the, uh, the single bevel, how it rotates and, and yeah, it, it did. I mean, there was, there was no doubt, you know, um, but uh, it was, it, it was just awesome, man. Just the whole experience of getting into trad for, 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 for the first time. Um, when I started shooting, I immediately saw an increase in my compound shooting too. It, it made me a, a, a better shooter just because there's so much with the trad that, I mean, dude, even, even like your pressure on like your cheek, like, like whenever you pull it back with a trad bow, like, I mean, everything's got to be uh, right there and to go out and do it on, on the first hunt, man, was, I mean, it, it was, it was awesome. I mean, and uh so I'm going to get after him again next year with it too. And, uh, and see, um, I already bought another trad bow. Um, <laughs> it's a little bit better than the one that I had. And, uh, so that pastor uh, money, man, <laughs> pastor, no, man big I, pastor money. Hey, I don't, I, the only thing I had to do is just sell my other one than, you know, get that one. Just, preaching, just preaching that prosperity. You know just, what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Drew, man. Get into that. That's a whole different story. Uh, Did you take lessons or anything, Drew? Did anybody take you under your wing, under their wing? You know what? You uh, um, uh, yes, Anthony Parker did. Uh, 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 Luke, Luke's dad, and okay, um, cool. he he shot trad um, for a long time, and and still does. And so you can actually go to his shop. It's cool. His, his shop's cool. It's an archery shop and or archery range and a, a taxidermy, and nice. so. Um, when I, when I first started doing that, I don't know, uh, I would, I would spend a couple, uh, afternoons over there. Um, just, just, I mean, blind shooting, just pulling back and just getting the instinct for it. Um, another group that I, uh, really followed was the push archery guys on yeah. YouTube. Um, they have an introduction video that is absolutely insanely good. I mean, it's about two hours long, <laughs> but it's got like over a million views. I mean, it's, it's nuts. And so, if there's anybody guys, if you're listening that are thinking about it, I would say do it, man. It's, it's, it's the funnest thing ever. And yeah, you probably, you're not going to fling them out there at 60 yards, you know? Um, but it also changed the way that I hunted too, because um, now I know, you know, that the doe I shot, she was at 18 yards and that was about as far as I would even, you know? And so, yeah. So, so it, it makes you think differently too about, um, uh, about your setup, you know, yeah. and, um, uh, I did some, um, with a trad there on the ground. That's got, that, that's why I originally bought it was to shoot trad from the ground in the middle of the clear cuts. And so, uh, I'm, I'm excited about it, man. It's, it's, um, it's, it's been a fun adventure for sure. That's cool. I bought one. Uh, I have one. Actually, I got you yours, uh, Drew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Same guy that sold yep. me mine came up with another one, and uh, it's been strung up. Which, by the way, I don't, 
I don't have that one anymore because I sold it to get the other one. Then I got to sell that one. To get the other one. So you know, you know how that works. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> but I'm I'm wanting to use it this this upcoming season. I, I just I didn't get it strung up and set up in enough mm. time to where I would feel okay about taking it and actually taking it on a hunt. Um, I, I'd like to practice with it. Now I'll, I'll practice with it a lot this this off season since it's pretty much ready to go. Um, yeah. Figure out an arrow setup. I, I'm going to switch to, I think what I'm going to do this year is switch to uh, like either day six or iron will heads. Um, yeah. Yeah. Talking yep. about money. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I've struggled with it because Dude, like, it's no longer faster. This is what happens when you get the digital marketing right there. <laughs> yeah. So oh. my, my thing is that, iron wheels. <laughs> yeah, the iron, like that's my biggest hang up. I think that's probably everybody's biggest hang up is like, you're pretty much immediately looking at a $200, you know, for three heads, right? Is it three or four that come in one pack? I think it's actually about a hundred and 115 for three. Yeah. I think. Yes. Yeah. It's ridiculous. And then you put that on top of an error, man, that that's, that's a forty dollar air you flinging down there, you yeah. know? dude. I would cry. I couldn't find <laughs> I'm that. You, man, it's, now, but as far as like durability and all that, I mean, it's. Uh, I'm gonna I have to put like concrete mix in my, on the <clears throat> insert to make sure it doesn't pop off or anything in the bone, like. <laughs> Which is very interesting because when I when I first got into trad, there's a lot of guys that use high end broadheads just because um they can sharpen them. And, mm-hmm. uh, and they get real sharp. Um, and when you're shooting 35, 40 pounds, um, and, and you don't get an exit, you want to make sure that your entry is, is cut as deep as it possibly can go. So yeah, I, I, I did find that very interesting that a lot of the trad guys shoot, um, high end, more high end broadheads, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and then you, you've got some that are the, the exact opposite. They're out there in, in their, you know, driveway, picking up gravel and chipping it and tying <laughs> it, you know, and it's like, yeah okay you know so uh but yeah that was that was really interesting to me that everybody would either there was no in the middle you know what i'm yeah. saying it was like super cheap or like really expensive i should have known i should have known we get drew finally back on and we start nerding out over arrows and pretty much I do immediately like yeah i do like mr broadheads yeah I, I and i i do too i struggled with the vpas this year a little bit the single bevels um now the double bevels that i used last year i really like those and i may very well go to those this i, I may just use them again because i have lots of them um mm-hmm. but uh clayton my buddy clayton bond he had i believe he was shooting the day six he, he he'll probably correct me if i'm wrong he was shooting either day six or uh iron will but i think he was shooting day six and it, they were very easy for him to sharpen i watched him sharpen them one night very easy and he got them daggum razor sharp and mm-hmm. I just never could get the single bevel VPAs to, like, I mean, I got them sharp. They killed deer, right? Like, yeah, I, I didn't struggle with that necessarily, but, um, and I, and I didn't struggle with getting pass-throughs, really. What about um, blood trails? The blood trails were awful. Um, mm-hmm. Like, just, I mean, per, some perfect shots that were just really, really bad. Hardly any right of impact. Yeah, yeah. I don't think any of the any of the deer that I shot um, left blood. I'm, yeah, the the first doe that I killed, she she didn't leave any blood. I pretty much found her in the water. 
Um, yeah. They don't go now, far. I will also say this, though. Yeah, that's that's the thing. I, I haven't had them in the last two years. Um, all the deer that I kill with archery equipment, whether that be a trad or, or compound, they, they've gone maybe 40, 50 tops, maybe. Mm-hmm. And, and so I lost the deer in Kentucky uh, this year. Mm-hmm. And that one hurt, and I changed a lot about my whole hunting everything based around that experience. Like, I went out and bought a boat. I thought you were going to change your life yeah. after that one, whatever you called me. Dude, I, I'm like, what am I doing wrong? I was, I don't think in my hunting life I've ever been in a darker place, and I think both of you guys probably knew that. Um, I was just depressed, yeah. man. And like, I was like, babe, I'm going to have to go up to Kentucky. She goes to hunt deer. I go, no. Make sure Parker don't drop it off the cliff or something. <laughs> so. It hurts, man. I have never not recovered a buck I shot with a bow. Yeah. Oh. I make sure. Yeah, never. Uh, That's the first one. And I've, I've not recovered a couple of does that I've shot. Um, not many, but a couple. Um, that, was, that was more back when I was shooting uh, expandable broadheads. I'd shoot them in the shoulder or... Uh, I had a couple gut shot deer that, yeah. but when I was kind of really starting bow hunting that, uh, I just didn't play the scenario right. And I ended up bumping them. I didn't give them enough time, stuff like that. But yeah. I never had, <clears throat> I never lost a buck and especially not on a good shot. <laughs> like that shot was incredible. Like it was a, it was a yeah. perfect shot. I, th- I think I probably hit every vital that the deer had and it, I, I found one little splotch of blood. That was it. Hmm. And so, you know, and I'm not blaming the broadhead. It definitely wasn't the broadhead. I do feel like with the double bevel, because I was able to get them sharper, it probably would have passed through. This one didn't mm-hmm. pass through. Uh, it buried up in it. And, uh, but it, and I, the way the blood looked, it just didn't seem as though it passed through it. But, yeah, you know, it's one of those things, you know, you live and you learn and just kind of kind of how it goes it's, it's deer hunting yep. right like it's we're always we're constantly evolving and learning and um and adam you uh you got to do something this year i guess it was probably one of the first times that you've done it as far as the kind of urban style of hunting yeah um, i've uh i've sat in like some actual neighborhoods up here around this nashville area before uh kind of some special type of permission properties but mm-hmm. this uh that was just one off scenarios no scouting like i went with somebody else this year um i kind of got to, to dedicate pretty much my entire what what little time i got to hunt to the urban hunting and it was different but uh it was really cool and it was also the first time i've really utilized trail cameras to try to kill deer so kind of putting those two things together worked out really well quick hunts yeah, I mean, it seemed like uh, with what you were doing, just kind of being in group text with me and you and Walt, yeah. uh, you were pretty Who? hot on that uh, Walter Who was it? Walter Lee. Um, uh, I, don't, I don't Yeah, I don't, I don't know. know that guy. She's all right. <laughs> she's ugly, but she's okay. Um, uh but it seemed like you were, you were pretty, it was kind of one of those like matter. It's a matter of time before you're able to yeah. kind of figure them out. Now I, I want to hear so, about your trail camera strategy going. Yeah, me too. So the area itself was pretty cool because 
to, we'll just say behind this uh, neighborhood area that I was hunting was a mountain. So you got, uh, if people are familiar with that Chattanooga area, you got White Oak Mountain, which just stretches for hundreds of miles, I think. Uh, so these deer, like I'd already identified some deer that were living on this mountain. And when they're coming down into this valley, into some CRP, uh, living in some like thick brush, uh, there was a creek back down in there. So really good habitat for deer. And then there was also like this perfect funnel of trees uh, that would go between the CRP, the pond, the mountain to another, uh, we would call it just place, uh, you know, to feed to, to probably a another area that they would travel to. So it's a perfect travel corridor. So what I did was I hung up a cell camera in that travel corridor, kind of got a good inventory of what was going on through the summer. And through the summer, I mean, I got some like young bucks, nothing really good. And which I, I only moved there in August. So like, this was a pretty quick turnaround. So got, got there in August, hung, a, hung a, um, a camera right away after got permission on a couple of properties. Uh, and when I say a couple of properties, I mean like a couple of acres, cause that's what it comes out to. It's like yeah. two one acre <laughs> spots. Um, and I started running a trail camera right there in that little pinch and getting does, getting small bucks and come like the end of October, got a good buck on camera. It's like, okay, well, this is different. Um, and then from there, man, it was just kind of waiting to see when the rut would happen. And you can do that with a cell camera. You get does funneling through there and you see little bucks nudging them along. It's like, okay, uh, you know, if I've got a good buck in the area, which I did, I had three, what I would say it was shooters in Tennessee anywhere. Um, it was, it was time to get in the tree. So three shooter bucks that night before I killed this deer, I had all three bucks show up on that camera, uh, just hours before daylight. So I knew it was good timing. So, uh, you didn't really mention the thing that I felt like killed that deer for it. Not, I mean, obviously you killed the deer, but, um, the hot doe that you were getting oh, yeah. on trail camera. And I remember you were like, all right, she's there. <laughs> yep. And it was like a wind situation too, because if the wind was wrong in the least bit, dude, it was 100% over. So it had to be like perfect timing. It was kind of one of those precision type opportunities. You got to go in when the dough's hot, right? You got to go in when the wind is right. Um, and thankfully, because I didn't have much time, like it just worked out to where like a Saturday morning, all of that kind of lined up really thankfully. Uh, got up in the tree stand, uh, well, saddle, call it a tree stand still. And, uh, I guess I saw that doe right off the rip. No, I didn't. Um, I ended up seeing a good buck and he came, he popped up where I was talking about where that pond was, which is down below this mountain area. So he pops up and he just goes in a different direction. I brought some like rattling antlers and I don't usually rattle. It's not something I normally do, but actually in our group text with you and Walt, I was like asking you guys like how much success y'all had. And Walt was telling me he'd killed like a hundred deer rattling or something. So I was like, all right. <laughs> Walt's all killed right. All, the deer all right. So Walter's never rattling. killed one doing that. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so I did, I literally tickled those antlers uh, just a little bit. I didn't do it too loud. I was kind of scared to, and uh, man, it wasn't, but like a couple minutes later, this buck that I ended up shooting comes just charging from that pond area, pushing that doe. And they run 10 yards from my stand, but I mean, they're like full blown going. I yell at him to try to get him to stop. He doesn't stop, keeps going. And then they end up stopping in the CRP field, like 80 yards from me, totally not where I wanted them to be. Uh, 
But man, just so happens the doe came right back to me to a scrape. And so when she came to that scrape, like I just pulled back and I just held and held and held just thinking he's going to show. Right. And sure enough, man, he came 10 yards in that scrape and just thumped him. Um, and I, I ended up shooting some fixed blades this year too. It's the first time I've had shot fixed blades in a long time and it didn't bleed like at all, but the deer also piled up in 60 yards. It, that heavy arrow definitely did its trick. Yeah. It, it, it's kind of a sacrifice, right? Like you gotta, yeah. you're always thinking of like, if you hit a deer with a rage and everything works just right, then awesome. I mean, you're probably going to oh. get a, a red carpet type blood trail, but if you're off just a little bit, then you're not going to find the deer, you know, like, cause it's, yeah. it's just, it's one of those things. It's, and, and I, I feel like it's not completely that, you know, it's not completely out of the picture to say there is a perfect broadhead. Um, and maybe it's just $115 for three of them, you know, like uh, I, I've seen people say some really great things about the iron wheels. So, um, I mean, who knows? Maybe I'll give them a shot, and uh, I mean, I could just buy three of those and keep three, you know, VPAs or whatever in there. But um, so, Drew, you uh, you kind of had an urban an urban hunt yourself. <laughs> yeah, this next one, fellas, involves no tactic whatsoever at all, um, and I'm not sure if anybody's gonna believe me, but hey, it's all right. Uh, um, well. I'll tell it anyway. Um, All right, so can this I, my... I'm going to interrupt you. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Apologize. Um, Drew, you called me. You either called me or texted me. I think you texted me. You're like, dude, <clears throat> I just shot this big buck. Uh, the story is insane. So in my mind, I'm thinking like Drew like went out in the rain on public land and like climbed a mountain and went over, <laughs> went over a mile, uh, went over a bluff and then like parachuted into off the bluff and into a, you know, an like a an oak flat. Like just my mind is going to like this like insane story. And this is what I was. Th- this story is the one that I was met with. <laughs> so, um, me and me and my little man. I was taking little man hunting with me, and um, we have a blind um, set up on a green field where I killed my buck at last year. And um, and so we were driving over there. Well as we're driving um my buddy that has all that land lives i mean right right on the road and so i'm driving and and i come around the corner and he's right in front of his house and he has a bunch of block targets he has three or four block targets out for his archery range and um and so and then he, he has three um, um oak trees right there and and i'm driving and i'm like doggone he got a new deer target that's a that's i mean i mean that's a nice buck target and it looks so real <laughs> like about that time i i, I even turned back to briar my my son i'm like hey buddy look look at look at the deer target and that deer target said and i'm like ain't no deer target and so so i'm like oh my gosh what do i do so i i whip into the driveway and and i call my i call my buddy up and I'm like, hey man, there's there's a big buck in your front yard. And he goes, show that. And so whenever he says shh, I just threw my phone, I grabbed my gun, I stepped out, I said, boom. 
and I drilled him. I mean, I'm talking about, I, I smoked <laughs> and, and so um, I was shooting, this is my first buck with my new gun. I bought a six and a half Grendel last year. And, and so I, I like step out and, 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 and I'm getting ready to shoot him. And, and all here is Briar in the back going, shoot him, daddy, shoot him, daddy, shoot him, daddy. <laughs> I, I turn it loose, man. Smoke goes everywhere. I mean, deer, deer dives down going towards a pond. And I'm like, I'm like, man, I, that's awesome. Briar's like, did you hit him, dad? I'm like, yeah. So we, we, we went over to the, uh, to the um, oak trees and looked and found, found a little bit of blood, but we didn't found, find a whole lot. And, but when I shot, I saw him hunch and I'm like, well, I, I know I hit him. And, and so I walked some and, and, and I had a little man with me. So I really, and if y'all have ever hunted a blood trail with a four-year-old, it's, 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 it's fun. It's just fun. <laughs> you know. Um, but he did, he did good, but it, it got late. Then it started sleeting some or like raining and it was cold. And I'm like, um, I'm like, well, crap. So I put him back in the truck and I ended up, um, I ended up calling, I'm going to give a shout out, Justin Moser, which um, I know uh, uh, Parker's used him. And there's a, there, there's a couple of good trackers here in our area. Justin Moser's one. I know Parker's used Brian Ham. And so I, I, I called Justin up and uh, Justin came out. Um, he, he asked me, you know, hey, how far was it? I'm like, hey, he was like 35, 40 yards. He asked me what I shot. I was like, I'm shooting six and a half Grendel. He asked me that, you know, the bullet weight. I'm like, why is this dude asking me all this? You know, like I'm like, this is and uh and so when he when he got there, he's like, You didn't find any blood? I'm like, No, I didn't find any blood. Um, that doesn't mean it wasn't there. I mean, I was pretty jacked up. And so he goes, All right, he goes, Well, shooting, um, I guess he's been getting a lot of calls with six and a half creedmores too, because that's that's a pretty popular caliber now. He goes, if you shoot him with that six and a half creed or a really fast bullet that close, he goes, it don't have time to expand. He goes, so you're not going to get a whole lot of blood right at impact. Hmm. And so um, I'm like, cool. And so we 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 start the search. And and when I say we're 40 yards from my friend's front door, like we're literally 40 yards from my friend's front door. Like he's 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 on the porch drinking a coke, watching us, you know. And um, so we we trail the deer. He goes down, goes around the pond. And then for those who don't know, Justin's got two dogs. He's he's got he's kind of got like a he's he's got like a catch dog and then he's got like a wind dog and so both of them kept going right towards the pond and i'm like man, i was like justin i didn't hear a splash I, I didn't hear nothing i mean and so he goes man this is what the dogs are saying and so um so sure enough um to make the night even crazier um we circle the pond and justin goes hey look he shines out in the middle and he was floating out in the middle of my friend's pond right behind his house and i'm like <laughs> shut up and so we 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 end up having to find a rope and tie a stick to a rope and we had to you know just that they're like woohoo you know throwing it out there we the the dog actually went out there more he thought it was still alive and he's trained to do that and so he's 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 on top of it trying to drown it and I'm like hey bro he's, <laughs> I just need you bring him back and um and so but Justin's dogs did did great and um he ended up being uh, a big seven point. I mean, I'm talking about a real nice seven point. Um, and uh, his his right G3, I think, is 13 inches. Um, oh, and so, yeah, he's 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 he, he's not very wide. But he's he's just a good buck, man. And I was with a little boy. It was it was just awesome. And so, you actually take pictures of this one? 
I did take pictures of this one. Yes, I did. And because Parker always gets on me, he's like, he goes, you are the worst co-host ever. And I'm like, well, you know, Parker, I'm never on. So, you know, like, so, yes, I am. That's, that's true. I am. I'm the worst. And, uh, I, I just get so jacked up with it, man. I, I just forget all about it. And then I start calling my dad, call my brother. Cause those are my first two calls, you know, after I kill one and I call Parker and I call my wife and my wife fakes like she's excited for me. She don't really care. She's like, oh, that's great. Okay. You know? And so, um, and, but it was, it was, it was a wild night, man. It was, it was a wild night. And so that was my urban hunting for this year. And the, let me that's tell you. That's the most Alabama hunting story I've ever heard in my entire life. I was, I was going to ask if it was even legal in Alabama. Hey, <laughs> man. <laughs> Stepped out of my vehicle. And so, and I was way away. And so, uh, so. Did you look around to see if there was any gay wardens, like, with a little remote control? <laughs> like, that's what I would be worried about. Flying above my head and yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. No, it was, it, it, it was all legal. It was, it, it, it was, it was awesome. And I can tell you what, next year. I'll be driving by his house multiple times. <laughs> <laughs> so you're gonna tell, you, tell your son record. your son's gonna have this whole just distorted version of hunting when he gets older. He's oh, like yeah. just Man, road hunter one oh one. No, no, we we don't do that. That's, <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's uh that's funny. You know, that's uh in, in Texas growing up. We did a lot of that. Not not necessarily like road hunting, but we would drive the lease roads. I mean, that was mm-hmm. a popular way to hunt out there, man. I'd get in the back of the truck. Dad would just drive those lease roads, and we'd drive till we see a deer. And I'd, you know, you know hit, top, hit, yeah. hit the hood <laughs> and uh, yeah. take a shot. I missed a pretty big buck one time doing that. Um, that was just, I got great memories doing that kind of stuff, man, because it's, it's fun. You're not it's just sitting fun. around, you know, a little kid, not it's just sitting around being bored. How like, I mean, at least around here, like if it's like, if it's like a coyote or something like that, they don't care. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's, it, it's, it, it's just, it's just weird how different parts of the country, like when, whenever I live in Arkansas, um, I mean, farmers wouldn't let you come on during duck season or, or deer season, mm-hmm. but dude, you could take your four wheel drive out in the middle of their rice fields, popping coyotes. They didn't care. You yeah. know, it's like, what's the deal, y'all? Like, yeah. I don't understand. You know, it's just, it's just interesting how different creatures <laughs> have a different set of rules. Well, I, you know, I'm doing a, I'm doing a, a Texas turkey hunt. So I have my license in Texas. I told my dad, I was like, hey, maybe we'll try it. We'll try a turkey hunt out there this spring. Um, mm-hmm. See if we can find somewhere to go. Well, my uncle just purchased like 200 acres in central Texas. And, uh, <clears throat> like close to Abilene, <laughs> <clears throat> everybody starts coughing. Um, I mean, maybe a Southern ground meetup. <laughs> so <laughs> we, I don't know. I don't know if there's any turkeys on it, but we're going to take our chances. My uncle says there's, he sees tracks. He's, uh, That's he's awesome. building a house on the property. Um, but he's still living, you know, like two hours away. So help? He, he doesn't. <laughs> stuff i can do <laughs> i'm a big strong i'm a big strong man i can live <laughs> but uh but talking about you know permission stuff so i told dad i was like you know even if there's if even if we get out there and there's not a ton of turkeys out there or whatever we can just drive around and probably find permission to hunt it yeah. turkeys yeah, out there adam, are, I was, are not the same as deer that's what i was gonna ask you too adam how like did 
did you know these people up there oh, yeah. where you got the two one acre tracks okay all right yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. i had some hookups i got you hookups good are, to you that way are the best well and <laughs> yeah. you know I, I did a quick turn and burn so I, I moved there in august and i moved back in november that's why my deer season equaled squat you know uh so it, it was a tough tough winter honestly i mean yeah let's just be real though adam talks about like oh i mean ever since i've known adam oh i haven't got to hunt that much i don't get to hunt and he really doesn't but adam's killed some pretty good bucks the last couple of years without being able to hunt a whole lot so i mean i mean you're that buck you killed this year was pretty it. solid you know and then last year uh crap you might not ever, was you may not ever talk that deer. Grenada. no I mean, i'll probably never top that deer not that, in, that's all mm. not in the south for sure man uh, so here's a here's a lesson I learned. Um, number one lesson, maybe not number one lesson from this season, but one of the lessons that I learned was that the Tennessee velvet hunt is not something that I want to invest a ton of time in, um, unless of course there is a hurricane coming through or a big storm system. That is uh that's, I mean, dude, it was so hot this year. Like, it's tough, man. Like. You just felt like a, like a hot oven, like a hot and ready oven, you know, for the mosquitoes. You just, it's like, it's just terrible. Um, didn't enjoy, I mean, I enjoyed the people I was with. The hunt itself was miserable. Mm-hmm. Uh, North Dakota, on the other hand, was beautiful and like 40 and 50 degrees in the morning. It heats up to maybe 70 degrees in the heat of the day. You know, and when you've been doing this Tennessee velvet hunt in the Kentucky early season bull crap, you know, it's just, it's just totally different. It's, it's so yeah. wonderful. So I learned that that's why I'm, I'm going to do that again. That's why I'm doing the North Dakota thing this year. So I'm, I'm bent on it. I, when you went to North Dakota this year and we were texting each other and, and talking, I think I was walking through the neighborhood of my wife and I was like, I am just so sick. I'm tired of not being able to go on a cool hunt like that. That is the hunt I'm going on. And I'm sick and tired of going to Kentucky and Tennessee and that like <laughs> last week of August and first week of September and coming home with like 300 ticks crawling up my legs and my socks, you know, yeah. I'm done with that. Yeah. Um, not that, I mean, it's better than not deer hunting, but it'd I, be cooler to go to North Dakota. I spend Wyoming, the majority like of my season in the South. Like I love the South. I love hunting the South yeah. during deer season. But let's just be real, man. September ain't deer season. Like, Dude, no. like God did not intend for Southerners to hunt deer in September. No. You know? Maybe doves. You know, maybe. Yeah, yeah maybe know? maybe dove. Uh, hog hunting's kind of fun in September. But stuff where you're just just moving too much, you know? like Stuff where I don't got to tote nothing in. Yeah. Or, you know, like, I, I want to drive my four-wheeler out to the hay bale. That's right. You know, that's and right. Shoot them yeah. Miss them. But, you, you know, yeah, you can yeah. you can have a cold drink with you. Like, yeah, it's just I don't know, man. And I'm not going to say that I'm never going to do the Kentucky early season thing again. It's it's hard not to because it is fairly close and yeah, you have opportunity for a pretty good deer. I, I have effectively missed a lot of big deer in Kentucky now. Um but uh, I mean, I don't know. It's worth it. It's worth the drive. And and honestly, yeah. like y- you're talking about a price difference that's not 
crazy difference. The mileage is different, but if you if you fly and rent a vehicle and camp out, maybe 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 you camp yeah. in North Dakota. Yeah. The it's well, beautiful weather for camping. Especially gas being seventy two dollars a gallon right now. You, yeah, you know, that's right. Probably. Yeah, that's right. It's, I mean, it, 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 it's very effective. But like, we'll end up going this year, Adam, and probably spending like ten bucks a night for a campground. Um, no. and the weather is perfect for camping. Like it's spring weather. It's not going to be, it's not going to be or fall weather. It's not going to be hot and miserable. Whereas when you go to Kentucky and you're probably going to spend 60 bucks a night, you know, yep. uh, it's just, it's just all around better thing. The tags are comparable as far as how much they cost. Your opportunity for deer for a big deer is probably better in North Dakota than it is in Kentucky. Yeah. Um, probably less pressure right yeah yep. a little less pressure until we talk about it ah, I, even bunch. even at that there's less people around because yeah. you're in flipping yeah. north dakota so i mean most guys aren't burning they're going to burn their vacations to go and hunt early season they're they're going to burn vacations to hunt the rut in missouri that's what and i'm not going to burn a ton like i'm going to hunt about as half as much as you are i think yeah based on the amount of days we've talked about mm-hmm. so yeah go out there to get get a get a little experience in get back and that was early season like it it was fun and obviously we've talked about the i've talked about the whole trip before i'm not going to rehash that but um they've got good good public land opportunity out around there western states are something that i've like like i like going hunting uh missouri and you know some of the midwestern type stuff Mm -hmm. that i've done i haven't done just a ton of it but it's fun but man, there's something about those western places. The scenery is just yeah. different. Like doing that Nebraska turkey hunt last year, the scenery was like just so totally different from what I'm used to down here in the south. And like the, it's not hardwoods and stuff like that. You've got big rolling plains and you know these giant uh, gullies and uh, what do they call them? Uh, Oh my gosh, cool, uh, coolies! You've got yeah, stuff like I that guess. in North Dakota. You had the the cattail marshes and things. It's just mm. it's just a cool, different terrain to hunt in. So I, I'd like to do a little bit more of that, like western and northwestern type stuff. I want to do an Idaho hunt, like a whitetail yeah. hunt. That is what I've got my eyes set on. And you know, Mark Kenyon kind of brought that to my attention when he was doing the Montana, and then he, I think he had mentioned Idaho at some point. So I started reading about it. You know, we're doing some research. They're not bad, man. Yeah. And the habitat out there, you know, it, you, you find deer, you get on deer quick. I, I think, you know, I hunted mule deer for Mon- in Montana. Um, and that was kind of the deal. Like, if you find whitetail habitat, you will find whitetails and you'll find some good bucks. Like, it's just kind of easier, in my opinion, to, to center in your focus on where the deer should and will be in that type of terrain. Hi, boy. Yeah, you, you kill a whitetail in the south, you can kill one anywhere. My George. <laughs> That's the truth. By God. That's the truth. Yep. Yep. Yo, I, I think part of the thing that I'm taking away from this year, too, is this will be my fourth hunting season here. Yeah, fourth hunting season. And I can look back over the four years, and it, it's it's really interesting that I've killed bucks around the same time every year. Um, now, whether that's weather or, or whatever you know um I, I don't know why just, just just to be honest but like i ended up killing my second buck this year um 
uh, a year to the day that I kill my other buck in the same in the same stand, same weather conditions, same everything. And I know we we talk to Michael Perry a lot too, and they they got they got stands, man, that they kill big bucks out of every year or every other year. Like there's a pattern to it, you know. And so um, I'm kind of getting away from, and you know, families family and job is, you know, um, uh, kind of making this transition too, but also just, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not as apt to run into the woods for an hour and a half, you know, in 80 degree weather now on, on a Tuesday afternoon, as opposed to like looking at the 10 day and going, okay, that's when I can go. And I got a much better chance then, you know, but you're um, talking, you're talking Drew more and just to clear up for people, what I, th- what I believe you're saying, you're talking more specific. You're like zoning in more than just it's the rut. You're talking about like specific days, like mm-hmm. specific days in a specific area. So it, yeah. uh, the spot I killed a buck at this year, we called Pearl Harbor. Um, me and dad named it that this year. Three years ago to the day was the last time I hunted that spot um, during the rut. And mm-hmm. killed a buck there, a good buck, a really mature deer. And then uh, and then this year, three years ago to the day, killed mm-hmm. another really good buck in there. And I think uh, you're you're putting puzzle pieces together for certain for certain mm-hmm. places, you know, and, and maybe it has something to do with the does and the does offspring coming into cycle at the same time. You know what I mean? Like, and it's, yeah. and it's that's the, the they're. Uh, peak chasing phase in that spot yeah. you're gonna say something adam i can see you well i read a book not when before i went mule deer hunting uh, by mike eastman called i think it was hunting a high country mule deer i think that's the name of the book and in that book mike eastman eastman kind of walks a new hunter or new mule deer hunter through the process and one of the things he says is he says pick a spot and hunt that spot and when he says spot that a public land area is what he's alluding to hunt it for five years and dedicate yourself to five years of that one spot don't sway away from it don't just give up on it give it five years understand it learn it and go back and man i think we can take a lot from that into the whitetail woods just because you know i grew up hunting the same family farm where no telling how many generations of the of my ancestors setting the same doggone trees or close yeah. to it and killed deer. Um, and, and it was just passed down. Hey, hunt here. You know, my dad used to park me up by a stump. Hey, hunt here. Watch there. You'll see a buck come through. Sure enough. Yeah. It's like, I thought he was a soothsayer or something or a prophet. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it, it wasn't that it's just, you know, it's history of a property, right? And deer are going to do certain things during certain time periods, as long as the habitat doesn't change too much. And, you know, unless we get a volcano or earthquake, the terrain ain't going to change. So, uh, things just kind of work out that yeah, way. Yeah, but that's when you kill big deers and like dramatic, you know, weather events and stuff, Adam. I'm, you know, so like <laughs> honestly, like, dude, and that's like true too. And tornadoes. <laughs> <laughs> all all of my best deer, big deer, I think it's uh, it's been raining. That that's absolutely true, one hundred percent. Interesting, actually. I I'm pretty positive, like all of my best deer came in the rain. I I hear that from yeah. a lot of guys, um, a lot of boomers. Uh, Say the same thing. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I, I do. I do hear that. I read a book. I did. I read a book. I read. I read a, <laughs> on the on the on the front of that book, Mr. Bobby. There was a there was a big old book. <laughs> 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 
Oh, man. <laughs> Shoot, I remember the first, when I heard that, I texted Parker. I was like, that's the best, dude. That's the best. <laughs> so, really so this is a this is something that you need to everybody needs to listen and needs to go back, and so you'll be able to laugh as hard as we did, and maybe you did when you oh, listened man. to it. Uh, it's called respect. It's called. But we were when 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 me and Drew respect. entered uh, when we interviewed Bobby Worthington. I, I don't remember which episode was it. The first one, Adam. Yeah, it was, I think it was. Yeah, it was, it was the, first the first one. one and first one. Yeah. <laughs> Drew says, <laughs> Drew goes, uh, you just gotta listen to it because it's freaking hilarious. <laughs> we're talking like it's deep, probably, deep whitetail tactics, like really deep. <laughs> white, I don't know if I can get through this. this is hilarious. Deep whitetail tactics with Bobby Worthington, like world class whitetail yeah. hunter. And Drew goes, you know, the first thing I look at, Mister Bobby, when I when I see this picture, when I see when I see this picture on the front of the the book, is that's a big old buck. That's a big buck on that picture. I got it. You got a big buck on it. I'm gonna read it. Got a small buck. I ain't gonna. Why would I read small book? You know. Oh man, dude, that was... you understood the assignment, man. You understood it. I did. I did. And it's funny because I didn't even think anything about it until you said something about it. And I re-listened to it. I was like, we're talking about like funnels and, you know, really, really <laughs> deep stuff. First thing I saw when I saw that book, Big Old Buck on the front. That was, big Old Buck. I like that. Big old man, that's what he's talking about. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, that dude knows what he's talking about, though. Oh, yeah. He does. Yeah, that guy. absolutely does. Dude's smart. Um Anyway, I don't. We we derailed. Oh, we were talking about you know the the specific days, and and hunting those specific days. Yeah. I think we can kind of. Um, yeah. Because I I ended up killing two bucks in four days at Thanksgiving. I did the same thing last year. You yeah. know, and so like, um, and I, and you ended up killing three in what nine days. Uh, I killed ten days. I killed one the first, the seventh. Is it the seventh or eighth? That's Pearl Harbor. Seventh. Seventh. Seven. Yeah. So the first, the seventh, and the thirteenth. Yeah. So of December. I mean, it was back to back to back, and that and that's that goes back to what you're talking about. I mean, I hunt this same area, and I I really dedicate that time frame from the first of December, really Thanksgiving, until about the fifteenth is when I feel like it's going to be the best. Right, yeah. um, and the, which is t- is really going to be a month later from the rest of the country, almost to the almost to the day. Most people are doing you know Halloween Day through the fifteenth or twentieth of November. Yeah. That's when they're hunting. <clears throat> so um, now, after hun- having hunted this same area, and I really started, <coughs> I really started to hone in on what like what you're talking about, Adam. Probably within about year five. Of like, yeah. like I know what these deer are gonna do, I I know that I know what they're gonna do now. Whether or not I see the right one or one that I want to shoot, you know that's that's a whole other story. Yeah. If you're not running trail cameras, and I'm not, if you're not running trail cameras, and it's hard to really know, but you at least know where the deer are gonna be concentrated at in these in these areas and what type of terrain they're gonna want to use and the type of you know cover they're gonna be in. Um, you even start to notice things like what type of trees they typically, you know, make a big community scrape under. Yeah. Um, for where for where we're at and where I noticed in a lot of the South, 
uh, it's those, uh, are they beech trees? I think they're beech trees. Uh, like the smooth bark beech trees that have the real, and that probably has a yeah, lot yeah. to do with the way that their, their branches come out fairly low. So it's a perfect scrape tree, but you can even walking around in Mississippi when I was hunting there a couple of weeks ago, it was almost the exact same. I could see a tree at a distance. I could see that tree and say, yeah, there's probably a scrape under there. So you really start to hone in on, you know, similar areas even, you know, I've never hunted this place in Mississippi, but it really lays out almost the exact same as where I hunt at home. And so you really start, and that, and that goes back into what Jeremy Aaron from uh, do it yourself hunter talked about on his episode where he's going out into all these different places. And this is something that uh, it c- could be a lessons learned for this year because we talked to him this summer and uh, man, I, I learned a ton talking to that guy. And I feel like I kind of formed my season around the thing, this, this thing that he said, I said, what makes you so consistent? What do you think? Why do you think you're so consistent? He said, when I, it doesn't matter which state I go to, I'm looking for something that sets up similar to what I hunt at home. Hmm. And, I that. and yeah. I mean, that that's so, such a simple thing to say, but very, a very efficient way to hunt, especially if you're going out of state a lot and traveling around. Like, even if it's not, you know, even if it's not like exactly what you hunt at home, find the closest thing to what lays out, you know, in North Dakota, the place where when I went to the public land in North Dakota, there was so much good like river bottom and like uh, cattail marshes and, you know, cropland and stuff that I was like, man, this just looks so cool because I'm not used to it. But I went on it and I just couldn't kill a deer. <laughs> it's just <laughs> was struggling until I went and found some hills and hollers and thick stuff. And that was where I started figuring out what deer are doing because that's what I hunt at home. So yeah, I think that's, uh, I mean, that's almost something that I mentioned every time I'm a guest on another podcast, I mentioned that thing that Jeremy said, uh, as far as things that have made me a better deer hunter, no matter where I go, that's one of them, like focusing on what, you know, I read a lot of books. So I'm going to point back to Johnny, <laughs> Johnny Brart. And I think he says this a lot. Is there a big book on the front? <laughs> he's, he's always got big books on the front, uh, but he does. He talks about the same thing. And I don't think I remember him ever mentioning that he's calling, you know, wildlife biologists or, you know, wildlife management guys. He's looking for specific types of habitats that he likes to hunt. And usually it's more a little bit open terrain or ag ag type terrain, not big woods. That's what he's comfortable hunting. And that's the places he goes to. So he narrows it down on something uh, like the habitat that he likes. So I think there's a lot to say about that. Yeah. I, I've, I've found you can, you can find similar things. You know, you can find, I'm used to hunting hills, like hill country. You can find that and yeah. a lot of play in, in most states. You can find something that you can find a public land area, you know, Tennessee, you go the further east kind of you go in Tennessee, the hillier yeah. it gets. And so I, I've really, while it's tempting, it is very tempting to go like middle Tennessee or yeah. uh, Western Kentucky where you see like you see the, the crops and you see the deer, the big giant bucks out in the bean fields all summer long. People are posting pictures of them and you're like, man, that's where I want to go. Uh, I'm just not productive. I'm just not nearly as productive as I am in the Hills. And, uh, and the, the thing that sucks about it, I wish it was the opposite. 
because the hills are a lot harder <laughs> to walk around. Like when you oh, start yeah. start scouting hills and big ridges and stuff, it's like you get a mile, two miles in, and you're huffing and puffing. Where you can do that in the blink of an eye with uh, with farm country because it's just flat and easy. Those hills, man, they cut trails. Yeah, and just they cut that you know that movement down to something mm-hmm. you can pinpoint. If you're used to it, if you know it, that's what you're comfortable with. Man, I can see why you want to keep going back and back. And it kind of goes to the place you started hunting in Kentucky, dude. Back to back years, mm-hmm. success. I mean, although you missed that one, or you you shot that one buck, didn't find uh, it, dude, but that I was two slammer one. bucks. Yeah, and you missed a bigger one. I missed so. a bigger one that was bigger than the one I killed two years ago. I mean, he would. He was I'm not finding state Parker. You know what I'm saying? Like Kentucky, out it eats my lunch. But but whenever Indiana, I started, <laughs> I started hunting. You know, a little bit differently there. And and yeah. really, I mean, part of the reason it was eating my lunch is because I was going there early season, and that's just a hard hunt to do. Anyways, it's just it's mentally draining and and physically draining. Um, whereas you can go out in the in the, you know, cooler months and it's not nearly as bad, you know, it's, it's a little bit easier. Um, but, but states like that, you know, and I think outside of the Southeast, you have a lot of states, you know, we talk about Kentucky a lot because I've, I've hunted it a lot, but you've got, I mean, Ohio, you've got Illinois, you've got Indiana, Indiana. um, uh, Nebraska places that are just as good or better than Kentucky. Like, like I think, if you're planning to go on an out-of-state trip, all those states would be well worth it yep. to go to um, and be able to experience some type of Midwestern-type hunt. But uh, if, if you feel like you're you're efficient in, in the south, where you're at, you know, if you're efficient in the river bottoms in the delta of Mississippi, then go find some river bottom in one of those states because you can. You know, yeah. there it's there. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think it, that's some great advice. 100%. Mm-hmm. Don't go try hunting something that's completely foreign to you in a brand new state. Go find something in that new state that looks very similar to what you hunt at home. And, and I, it'll probably speed up that success. It does speed it up. And I, I'll, I'll say this, though, also. Um, it depends on what your goals are. If your goals are is you want yeah. to be a consistent killer in different states, I say do this if you want to do it quicker. Now, some people really enjoy the challenge of of learning something new. And if you can do that, if you can do that where you, you know, you can invest the time into learning something new, then go for that too. But that probably makes you a little more well-rounded and a better, a better hunter. I've, I've slowly in the last couple of years started trying to hunt more swampy type stuff, not necessarily ag. (laughs) But just yeah. just more f- flatland swamps and uh, just kind of you know dipping my feet into it a little bit here and there to where now I, I do feel like I can maybe not as efficient as I can in the hills, but the swamps I can you know in, within a few days I I missed one of the biggest bucks I missed three times y'all this year on the three biggest bucks that I had opportunities on and uh, like if I would if I'd have connected on the three deer that I missed. I mean, it was already a good season. It would have been unreal how good the season would have been if I would have connected on those deer. But it it, it is what it is, and uh, try not to think about it a whole lot. Um, but I you have, don't miss much with your rifle. 
dude. So <laughs> I missed with the Find shotgun. more gun hunting spots, man. Yeah, I know. That's what I need to do. I missed Thermal with the shotgun in, in Florida. It was that that's uh, true. slug gun. Um, yeah. I don't think I missed a. I don't think I missed a shot. Well, when whenever your bullet didn't go off. Yeah, my bullet didn't go off on that one. Um, like almost every deer I shot more than once because I shoot them usually until they stop moving. But I've had too many deer when I was young. I'm get, weed, dude. Get up and run after you think they're dead. Just, so if they're, if they're moving, if like that head goes up just a little bit. Hold on, Dad. Hold on. Dad. Hold on. <laughs> He's, He's literally. I don't always. I don't put it in the videos. Uh, but that almost always happens. I call Dad. I'm like, He's down. I killed. Him. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. He's getting wait, up. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, but yeah. I mean, you're right. I think uh, I think one of the things that I've did this year was that I don't I, I don't think I do it as much. I've done it as much in the past as I did this year. Is um, when I got in that funk, you know, around November where I was hunting a lot and just not having opportunities. When I did have an opportunity, I felt like I botched it because I was I wasn't concentrating and I, I wasn't I wasn't focused. Right, I was I was more focused on that end goal of of killing the deer and not focused on the process of killing the deer, of like actually following through. Yeah. So there's a lot of things. There's a lot of things that that I felt like I could have done better for sure, um, and that was that was probably one of the main things that I felt. All three deer that I missed. The first one was in Kentucky. That was the big one during the rut. And I missed him at like 10 feet. Like it was, it was one of those that you really just had to point it in the right direction. And you, you know, oh, it, it should have hit him and I completely clean missed him. I don't know how, um, but, uh, that one, I, I didn't have really time to think cause he was chasing a doe through and he stopped for mm-hmm. like a, just a second and I released the arrow, and I don't feel like I was settled at all. I don't even know if I was looking through the peep sight, if I'm being honest, like just being transparent. Um, it was just so fast. He, like he stopped for like a minute or like a second and and started. He may have started moving by the time I hit the, the release. You know, I don't I don't know. But uh, so there was that one. And then the one in Alabama, which was the swamp one where uh i had shot the doe that morning she was laying dead there and he was probably about to come in perfect if she wasn't if she would have just ran you know it would have been great because he probably would have come right through right at that crossing and come through right in my uh 15 yards and he didn't do it he saw her laying there and uh kind of got a little spooky and i rushed that shot I, i rushed it because i thought he was about to leave and i rushed a quarter two shot and again don't know that i was necessarily settled like i should have been um and then the one in florida i don't know that there's a whole lot of that i could have done different uh i could have waited uh but he was broadside at like 80 yards and i had a gun in my hand and i just kind of got unlucky with that twig that was right there so there wasn't a lot of things i could have done different about that one but had i waited for him and just taken my time a little bit better who knows? It could have been different. It could have been a different story. So there's a lot of lessons learned. I mean, I, I think 
you know, Adam, you may not have had a ton of lessons learned necessarily this year because you didn't get to hunt nearly no. as much as you do. Uh, maybe don't move yeah, like don't, multiple times in a move. three month span. <laughs> Drew, don't impregnate your wife whenever it's going to, uh, you know, affect deer season. Like that's a lesson learned, I guess. But, um, but for me, like I got to hunt more this year than I ever have ever. And so there's a lot more opportunity for mistakes and to learn things. And it's always trying to every year, man, trying to do that trying to learn as much as I possibly can. So maybe it doesn't happen next year, which I know that's not, those aren't going to be the last deer that I miss in my life. You know, that's, that's a hard thing. That's a hard thing. I'll tell you a couple of things I have learned over the last couple of years, Parker. One, consume as much information as you possibly can from others that get it done. You know, like, uh, like you said, with your guy, the DIY hunter guy, he's very consistent. Listen to those people really, you know, take it in take notes. Like I have probably five pages of John Eber heart notes, literally. And I read them all the freaking time every before every deer season. Now I'm, I don't go all out on scent control and all that other stuff, but I pick and choose. So consume as much information as you can. And the second thing is just be patient, patient in everything you do. If it's, you know, walking in your stand, climbing, um, drawing back and focusing on that, settling that pin, uh, when to go into your stand, don't rush, you know, the timing of it. Don't go in on the wrong day. Uh, just be patient. So that's for me, the last couple of years is those two things, um, consume as much as I possibly can. Cause I don't get to hunt as much as I want to. So learn from others and be, be patient, be effective, right? Like if you're, yeah. if you're only getting to hunt, you know, three or four times, then you want to yeah. make sure that those three or four times are well spent. You can't afford to drop your binos or anything out of the tree, right? Like yeah. you got to be, you got to be on your game. Yeah. If you're not, Adam, Adam is the Southern man, Andy May. He, oh my gosh! Yeah, hey, whatever. That's the best compliment you've ever gotten, Adam. That, dude, that's the best compliment, but it it ain't true. Adam's the <laughs> boomer. Like Adam's the boomer version of Andy May. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I'm 38. <laughs> you're not that old. You're just old. You're just an old think, soul. I think Andy's older than I am. I don't know. He might be. I think so. He he don't. Hey, yeah, he's in better shape. That than dude, I am. He, he can get it done. Yeah, and he's he one. Of, he's one. He's one of those guys too. Like what you're talking about. There's there's people out there that are worth listening to. And yeah, you know, you see their consistency. You see, you see all that stuff. I think so many people get caught up in not people. just that. Like Andy knows how to communicate it. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, he's a good there's, teacher. There's like Jeremy, uh, Jeremy Aaron's another one with, with do it yourself hunter. Like the dude's just a good old boy, but he knows he knows how to talk about it in such a way that it's like, oh, okay, that that makes sense, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um. So there's 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 some guys that just do it really well and can explain it really well too. And there and you know? there's there's also self proclaimed fellas out there that like it's hard not to get these people that we're talking about mixed up with some of the, the self-proclaimed type guys. Um, and, and there's a lot of those, you know, especially in the day and age of social media, I pay attention to the ones who I hear somebody else talking about, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like that's the ones who I want to, who I want to try to draw from and learn some, learn something from is the guys that you constantly see other people bringing their names up. You know, it's funny, man. I've asked you and Adrian both because you guys are two that I personally know that's hunted with some what I would call 
top tier hunters this year. And I've asked both of you in, in some shape or form, like who's the best hunter you in, in camp, you know? And I'm asking that for a reason, because if you say it's X person, next time I hear him on a podcast, like I'm listening to that dude. So if you've got buddies that, uh, that are getting it done and have hunting buddies that are getting it done, I'd hook up with them. Yeah. I, I think, uh, uh, if I had to say, whew, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Yeah. Say that one for another podcast. But, but, but seriously, uh, Jared Schaefer is probably one of the yep. more consistent people that I've been able to hunt with. Uh, the guy, which granted, you know, Jared's situation is different than most people's situation. He, he gets to hunt a lot and, but, but the guy is very, 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 very consistent. And, yeah. uh, I've learned a lot. I've and learned a lot just from hunting with Jer- with Jared. Humble, humble oh, too. Humble like, as heck. He would. He's probably blushing if he's listening to this. I I think that's one of my big things, man. Like, you know, uh, Michael Jordan didn't go around saying he was the greatest to everybody. He just went out and did it. You know, and so like like the guys that go and just do it, mm-hmm. and then you know you invite them on a podcast, and they, they don't they're really embarrassed and shy because they're like, oh man, I don't I don't know. I don't know what to say. Like, who who's going to listen to me? I'm like, <laughs> me. I will. I'll I listen know. to you. They probably ain't Man. shot. They probably ain't shot bucks in their buddy's front yard. They probably haven't. You 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 daggum expert, Drew. I'm telling you. Okay. <laughs> All right. You won't be setting up by the porch when you're shooting from the playhouse. I can do that. <laughs> oh man. Well, guys, we're uh, we're running up running up on time. I enjoyed that. These are these are my favorite podcasts, man. Remember, uh, big bucks, big on bucks book. on the front. That's that's the ones you need to pay attention to. Which one you need to pay attention to? And there's a reason. No, there's a reason nobody from Florida is posting three points and selling books. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's a that's a very good point. <laughs> Don't tell Walt that. You'll hurt his feelings. Yeah, Walt, Walt will try to do that. Walt's gonna so. have one of those. He's gonna publish a book one day, like "Be Legendary Hunt Florida." And it's going to have like a spike buff on the front. <laughs> With him pulling it out on a gurney. <laughs> on a gurney. <laughs> oh, man. All right, guys. Good talk. Fun fireside chat. Thank you all so much for listening to this week's episode of the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. As always, a big shout out to all of our partners. That's Go Wild, Spartan Forge, Tethered, New Canoe, and Scree Gear. You can keep up with Southern Ground Hunting by following us on Facebook and Instagram, or you can subscribe to us on the YouTube channel. And make sure you check out southerngroundhunting.com to pick up some of our merch, hats, t-shirts, stickers, stuff like that. I truly hope you enjoyed this week's episode, and we'll see you here again next week. Remember this, God gave you dominion over the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and the beasts of the earth. So go out and exercise that dominion. We'll talk to you next time.